Well, good afternoon. I'm Leon Davis, and it is uh, 2 o'clock, Saturday, August the 18th. And my guest today is David L. Jackson. Uh, he's a, uh, let me find my notes here, he's a small business owner, uh, former board of education president for the city of St. Louis, a former commissioner for the Tax Increment Finance Commission, and some noticeable, noticeable achie, notable pardon me, achievements, uh, United States Air Force veteran, honorable, honorably discharged in 1983, uh, bachelor's of science in business administration and criminology, which I think is an interesting pairing of um, disciplines, a certified property manager by the National Center for Housing Management and quite a list of other achievements and we will uh, talk to him in just a second welcome, welcome to, to adjustment all right so um mr david uh mr uh, jackson are you around yes i'm yes Excellent. i'm here thank you very much for joining me this afternoon i really do appreciate that thank you for the invitation Oh, absolutely. Uh, you've the, some of the uh, information that I saw about you. I just I couldn't imagine not having you on the show. That that would have been the travesty. Thank you. I'm humble. Um, so one of the things that we talked about initially when um, when I asked you to come on the show was we talked about the primaries for this past um, August or the first of this month, actually. And. For me, I, there were some, um, I want to say, uh, things that I didn't anticipate uh, happening in this election, such as uh, Wesley Bell unseating a uh, longtime incumbent, um, Bob McCullough. Bob McCullough, right. Yeah. And, yes. and, um, Oh, I, I get all these names in here. Corey Bush, Corey Bush, which we yes. talked about. Um, she had a very strong showing against uh, a, a candidate that has been around for a long time. Uh, yes, and, and she was a, a very good competitor. Uh, un, unfortunately, you know, several, in my opinion, several things uh, happened that. To just didn't make her successful. One, uh, I think a lot of folks took for granted or didn't understand the commitment that Congressman Clay had for not only the city of St. Louis, but for the, for the region. Okay. And he has a strong and a wide, broad support of the entire city of St. Louis. And mostly North County. And I don't think Corey's Bush uh, campaign uh, concentrated that much within the city of St. Louis, with the exception of, I think, a couple of wards in the central west end and the outermost northern wards. Mm -hmm. And I think that cost her uh, quite a number of votes. But still, if you looked at the numbers, uh, slaves... Uh, Clay's uh, support, like I said, was very, very broad across the city of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think that um, that she got 
uh, an, a bump in her support because uh, there seems to be this pushback against people that are incumbents? Uh, yeah, and, and it's a pushback on those incumbents that uh, that have served more than two terms uh, and that the people haven't actually seen any uh, results of them being in office. Mm -hmm. And Cori Bush, um, you know, she brought out the, of course, the young progressives, but she also brought out just regular young folks who um, was just energized by uh, her being a young, aggressive community uh, organizer. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, that's one of the reasons she, she got as many votes as she did. I mean, just like you said, people, uh, especially the young folks, were looking for a change. Okay. Um, uh, one of the people that had a stronger showing than I anticipated was Coffee Wright. Now, I realize that, um, oh, man, you know, just when I need them, these names just pop out of my head. I, during a normal conversation, I can remember all of these names. Um, she was running we're, against we're Claire McCaskill. Claire McCaskill, and she, and I know Claire McCaskill is supposedly vulnerable in this upcoming um, November, but um, Coffee Wright had a had a pretty strong showing, I thought, for someone who just got into the game late. Yeah, she did. Uh, but she ran a very, very uh, stringent campaign. I mean, it was a grassroots campaign. Uh, she used social media quite a bit. Uh, I was surprised by the numbers, too. Uh, even though I, I did not support Coffee, uh, I wished her well. Mm -hmm. um, I was I was really excited about the numbers, and she doesn't seem to be going anywhere because I've been to a couple of places and a couple of meetings where she was in attendance. So I think she's going to be around a while, and I think the numbers really impressed her and her organization. And so uh, get ready to see a little bit more of uh, Miss Wright. Yeah, I I, uh, I had an opportunity to work with her on a couple of. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm work on another podcast, and that was actually how I, I met Coffee. Um, at the time, she hadn't decided to run. Um, so, so yeah, she has a an organization, um, and I don't want to mispronounce the name because I think it's important to get it right. But it's um, she she has an organization to try to help um, build a better, stronger community. One of her her things was she wanted to bring. Um, media creation or uh, Hollywood to St. Louis, basically, so that we could create our own content so that we could tell our own stories. And uh, so that was how I met her. Um, another um, interesting, I thought, election or one that, that piqued my interest was the Michael Butler, Sharon Carter deal. Yes, yes. And, and uh, uh you know, that was a, a three-way race, basically, and uh, Sharon Carpenter uh, was a strong, strong competitor to try to unseat. Mm -hmm. uh, but Michael Butler had a lot of community support. He had a lot of name political support, and uh, that really helped him. Uh, I did not support Michael Butler simply because there was three incidents where 
his integrity came into question. Okay. And I, I thought that I, I could not, I could not uh, honestly vote for him because of that. I thought the uh, out of the three, the only person who seemed to have integrity was uh, Jimmy Matthews. Mm-hmm. But people did not take Jimmy Matthews seriously, even though this is the most votes he had ever gotten with all the races he's ever ran. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, Michael Butler had a very, very strong and broad support system, and, and that carried him over the top successfully. Very good. I, um, for, for me, I, um, um, Michael's name recognition, because he's held several, or he's ran for several positions in the St. Louis area, in the St. Louis political scene, so he's, um, he has that, because uh, he just finished a term as uh, a representative, Yes, he turned and, out. And, 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 yes, and and, and Michael uh, Michael Butler, he's a, he's a community person. Uh, he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he has has friendships, partnerships, uh, abundance, and and that is what made him very very successful. Mm, okay, um, so I'm uh, one question on the. Um, so I've got a note here about the the city oversight review board. Now you were part of that. No, no, I, I just uh, I made application. As, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, as requested, they they took applications from uh, different uh, residents in the different seven districts they gave it. And, okay. And uh, I I came in second. Oh, okay. Okay. My district in my district. So I wanted to touch on uh, the local politics. I'm, I think it's going to be interesting come uh, November uh, as far as the – now, we, we had talked a little bit right before the show started about the, how the uh, local politics are going to affect the national politics. Did you want to make any um, comments on that or, or share your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, most definitely local politics will affect the, the national politics. That You know, that's one of the reasons why I supported Congressman Clay. When you look at uh, uh, not only his record and, and what resources he brought back here to the city of St. Louis, but you also have to look at his relationships and partnerships that he has in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's, it's a very difficult time for any Democrat in Washington, D.C., uh, it is very, very difficult for them to get any legislation passed, to ask for any type of resources for their community, unless you have partnerships, not only with other Democrats, but with Republicans in order to get support on your needs and wants. Uh, so that's one of the reasons that I had to give Congressman Clay my vote. And that's the, one of the reasons why uh, I asked everyone that I do to support him because we need that seniority in Washington D.C. to affect our local uh, our local area here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you did you want to make any kind of uh, uh, I don't want to say predictions, but do you, you have any ideas what you think will happen in November? Well, I, I think that I think the Democrats are going to be uh, very, very uh, successful uh, in November. 
here in the St. Louis area, and in, in definitely in the state of Missouri, the Democrats should fare well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that that should work for us. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, folks, and especially black folks, it was really tough for them uh, this time around with, with uh, Senator uh, McCaskill mm-hmm. because she hasn't been receptive to the black community. The, the black community was really having a hard time whether to support her and to believe in her. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the folks did go to the polls. She did, uh, she did win. Uh, now the test is going to be will they come out for her in November? Uh, you know, when you looked at the numbers, over 500,000 Republicans came out in the state of Missouri to vote for Josh Carley for the Republican side. Mm-hmm. That's that's tremendous. And, you know, Claire McCaskill cannot win the Senate seat without the black vote. And she needs to continue. I think she was here in the Ferguson area yesterday. Okay. She needs to continue all the way through to November to address the black community, their concerns and needs. Okay. Um, uh, there was, oh, I just, just had a, a, a great question. It kind of jumped out of my head. Uh, it'll come back to me. But, um, you yourself, uh, so I'm going to jump topics and um, go to your time um, on the Board of Education for the City of St. Louis. And yeah. now we, you were appointed to that position? No, I, I, I ran uh, in the campaign in 2007. Okay, in 2007. And so, so what was that campaign like for you? That was uh, my first, uh, uh, I guess, taste of the political arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a citywide elected position, so you know I was uh, running from north, south, east, and west, attending every community meeting, every ward meeting, to introduce myself and to talk about the St. Louis Public Schools. Okay, um, I was successful when in winning that seat in 2007. And I came back four years later and ran again and uh, was successful in, in that campaign. Okay. Uh, currently, uh, I'm trying to decide I have until Monday oh, okay. uh, when the campaign closes to run again. I've been asked by quite a few people to consider running. And reason being... Uh, the state is poised to return the governance of the St. Louis Public Schools back to local control. Uh, that's very, very important because currently the special administrative board who's governing the school district are planning to establish a oversight committee of the, the elected board of education. And so that board would would be overseeing any action of the elected board of education. Mm-hmm. And so, once again, uh, you know, in, in that that 
board that's being put together is an appointed board. So we're right back. Right. So they're part of the. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and so and so the special administrative board and I and I uh, believe that the CEO of the special administrative board, Rick Sullivan, is planning to chair that new appointed board that's going to be selected to oversee the elected board with the blessings of the state board of education. So so. So they're adding a layer of management that is not elected over the elected members of the Board of Education. Is that, is that what's happening? <laughs> yes. And, and, and it's been set up to be a permanent oversight board. And they have also introduced a plan to subdivide the school district in different I guess uh, areas of the city uh, where each area will govern a certain amount of schools within itself. So they're going to add a layer of management that is not elected. Above the layer of management that is elected and then parse out and break the school district up into districts, into smaller districts. Correct. In so, those districts, in those districts can be public schools. They could be uh, schools that are managed by a private entity. They could be schools that are um, what they call contract management schools. They can be schools that are charter schools. Uh, the plan is out there. Uh, the SA, the Special Administrative Board will be voting on it next month, I believe. Uh, Dr. Adams has already presented it, and I think uh, uh, he's got uh, 30 to 60 days to present the final proposal, and the SAB will vote on it. But, I mean, this is the city residents are sleeping in this matter, and, you know, it's affecting their school district. I, I this is the first I've actually heard of that, so I, I guess I have to account myself of one of those who haven't who've been asleep. Um, so, so pardon me on that. But um, now, now I, I'm just going based on your description of it. It, it sounds like something is amiss here. A am I missing that? A am I mischaracterizing that? Oh no, no, no! It's exactly right, and, and one of the reasons that. Uh, that you are asleep on it is because there has been no public notice regarding this plan with the exception what's being said at the special administrative board meetings. Uh, I have not looked on their website to see if they have the plan on the website, which I don't think it is because it hasn't been approved yet. This is just a vision of the board that Dr. Adams is moving forward with. So, so the general public does not is not aware of it because it's, it hasn't really been made public. Okay, so so who has the authority to create this this oversight board? The special administrative board. Special administrative board, and that was and and they get okay. So because I'm a little <laughs> little lost there. 
Now, the special administrative board was appointed um, several years ago, right? In 2007. 2007. So that was in response to? The school district losing its accreditation. Okay, so this, this, the school district lost its accreditation. Um, they appointed a special school uh, oversight committee. This oversight committee is now proposing a permanent non-elected oversight committee. Correct. And what happened was in the special administrative board on the request of the state education board held a few community meetings to discuss governance of the St. Louis Public Schools. What is the best fit? And after all the meetings, after all the research, it was decided, it was recommended and found that there's no true fact of what's best or who best to govern the school district. Okay. And so it was recommended that it go back to an elected board to represent the people of the community. The special administrative board, however, did not feel that that was the best. Thus is the reason they decided to create an advisory board while they're still in power that can, that with the blessing of the state board will stay in place until the elected board comes in and have to look at how to dismantle that system if it's not a best fit for not only the school board, but for the entire school system as a whole. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's, 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 it's a major, major move about education here in St. Louis. And it, it is unfortunate that all this is being done uh, under cloak and dagger in the back room. Right. It's, it's, it's horrible for our kids. I mean, just like now, you know, the school district is supposed to be fully accredited. Mm-hmm. We looked at the numbers, and when I say we, it's people that I'm associated with, other board members that used to be on the elected board. We looked at the data, and the data shows that out of the 70 St. Louis public schools, a third of them, which is about 22, 23 schools, have failed our kids. They are failed schools. They're not uh, provisionally accredited. They, they, they're just failed schools. So we question the state as to how can you give full accreditations to the St. Louis public schools and a third of the schools have failed. And the asinine thing is the special administrative board have not notified the parents of those failed schools that they have the right and the option to remove their child out of that failed school into a successful school or a successful other school district. So the horrible thing is because the kids are in a failed school, those children are not learning. 
and the data shows that. Okay. Um, so just at this point, and I, and I don't want to get off into too deep into that subject, though, are you uh, uh, are you amenable to uh, satellite schools or um, um, charter schools? Is that is that something that you see as a viable tool for teaching our children? Well, well you know, uh, charter schools were created to do what public schools could not do. Uh, and when I look at that, I think about the St. Louis public schools. What do they not do successfully? Okay. They do not do foreign language. Uh, they, they, they are struggling with that. Okay. And so there is a language uh, uh, field school here in the city of St. Louis, a charter school. Uh, but the St. Louis public schools have not contacted them or have not even discussed a partnership with them. I, I am not for any institution of learning, especially for our, our kids. Uh, what I have an issue with is let's take the charter schools, um, confluence academies, which is about four schools here in the city. Those schools have failed and been failing the kids for the last five years, but the state has not stepped in to close those schools. Okay. When a school does not learn the students, and if it shows that no learning has advanced within a three-year period, that system should be shut down. So what would be the alternative? Okay, so you so you shut down the school. What what is the alternatives for those parents in those school districts where the, the school has been closed? Well, here in the city, we we have very very successful schools, mm -hmm. uh, and we have we have room in those schools that can absorb those students in those twenty two failed schools. Okay. Nothing has been done to, uh, to address that. Uh, I think the SAB, the Special Administrative Board, and Dr. Adams, I think that's why they're moving to uh, bring in this oversight board and to start to sub subdivide the school system uh, in one way to address those failed schools. Because the way the plan reads, uh, Dr. Adams can present those 22 federal schools as a different school district. He can either contract out the management of those schools or hire a management company to come in or turn those schools over to a different school district or create a whole new system with those select schools. Okay. Okay. So, so the, the the idea is is to isolate them and then find a solution for those schools, so that those something that hopefully will uh, address the deficiencies that currently exist in those schools. Now, when you say because when you say close them, um, then you have to take all of the resources out. You you you're basically um, Removing that as a as a 
so a, a parent who uh, may live within blocks of that school now has to um, find a way or um, a way has to be provided for that child to move to another school district. Um, so, so I'm trying to see how that is going is this beneficial for the child. Well, well I think you know, what I did was uh, we're mixing apples and oranges. Okay. The schools that I said need to be closed is the charter schools that's that's main confluence academies. Those oh. schools have failed too. Oh, and okay. those kids have not been running for the last five years. Gotcha. At the same time, the St. Louis Public Schools have 22 failed schools also. Okay. Dr. Adams don't have to close those schools. The state gives him the authority to turn those schools around by different methods. Gotcha. One method would be to contract them all out to be uh, managed by uh, a different organization. Uh, he can come in and fire the principal and the teachers in that school and bring in an entire different staff. So the state gives him a lot of options to turn those 22 schools around. Okay. And one of the options I think they're moving forward to is creating a, a sub-school district to effect just that change for those 22 school districts, those gotcha. 22 individual schools. Gotcha. Okay. 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 Now that makes a little, that gives me a little bit more to work with there. Cause I was, I was looking at it, you know, uh, cause 22 schools is, uh, though it's, you know, when you look at the system as a whole, we, we talked about how large the system is, uh, 22 schools still is a significant number of schools to try to yes. juggle, you know, resources, um, to, to make them successful. But what you're saying is that they're just taking, once they've, They've identified the problems, isolated it, and then they can know, uh, have a better op op options of providing resources that are going to make them flourish. We're not just talking about um, cutting out a section of um, an area. Correct. Okay. Okay. Um, so you so you're have a decision to make coming up uh, about running for. Um, uh, for the school board, um, what? Um, so what? What are the what are the things that would uh, that you see that are going to go into fixing or go into that you can bring to that discussion that are going to uh, benefit the school system? Well, I, I think it's my historical facts and relationships that led up to the failure of those 22 schools mm -hmm. and also my understanding of the purpose and the mission of the Special Administrative Board. Uh, you know, it's amazing that they're doing all that planning and they have an elected board that's in place seven members of, of our community and they have not included them in the planning of changing the school system. And so I'm hoping if I, if I decide to run and I'm successful, that I would bring that to the general public 
and be the voice of the public to demand that the community and the elected board play a very important role in deciding the educational outcomes of our children. Right now, the elected board is being left out of the process. It's changing as they're sitting in a training session of its members that they've already trained prior to. But in my opinion, the special administrative board convinced them to do that training to keep them preoccupied while they're moving forward with their plan to change the system. Because none of the seven members of that board have voiced one concern about what the special administrative board is planning on doing. Okay. That, uh, unfortunately, it wraps up our time. I really do want to say thank you very much for um, having uh, taken the opportunity to talk to me today. And I'm, I'm going to leave an open invitation for you to come back. I specifically have a uh, in mind a topic I want to talk about with you. And uh, if you give me a minute, I'll close the show. And, and we'll talk about that. And I look forward to having you back. Yes, sir. And I thank you so very much. Alrighty, well that wraps up the show for today. Um, the video podcast for Altitude Adjustment is available on YouTube. Uh, you just need to do a little search of Lion's Den STL and you should find the podcast. Now the audio podcast is available on Stitcher.com, Podcast.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Music Play Store. The internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments, so please like, share, and comment on this episode where you find it. It does matter. Always be cool, be calm, and above all, be careful. Look out for the other guy, because they may not be looking out for you. <laughs>